All right. Well, welcome to the Kids and Money podcast. I'm Chad Jones, a certified financial planner at Allen & Company in beautiful Lakeland. And uh, you can find my blog and this podcast at alleninvestments.com. And last time we were here, I was talking to a colleague, and today I'm talking to another colleague. We have Bill Slover in the house, who is in our Vieira office out there, um, Vieira, Melbourne area, uh, who also has his own blog. So if you're on alleninvestments.com, please look for Real Value, a blog by Bill Slover. And Bill's from uh, upstate New York, but he came down and uh, became a Floridian with us back in 81. Uh, and then you've been in the industry since 86, right? That's correct, 1986. Yep. Okay, and he's a vice president with Allen and & Company. And uh, tell us a little bit about your blog, uh, Real Value. Well, I, I often will focus on, on market activity and so forth, but I like to find uh, topics that are not necessarily tied directly to, to finances. I like to have topics to where people can get involved with community um, and, and where we can make a, a difference in the community. Right. And you're pretty involved with your community. I know you're a longtime Rotarian, uh, been with First United Methodist Church uh, there in Melbourne for, for decades. Uh, no, and actually, actually oh, no. not. Oh, no. no. Okay. No. But, okay. But, but, but thanks for thinking I'm as old. No, I've been, been there a while. It's a, a great group of folks there. Right. And I uh, try to lend some assistance wherever I can there. And how about Bugles Across America? Are you still associated I, with I them? am. Bugles yeah. Across America, for folks that uh, are not familiar with it, um, it was started by a retired Marine that uh, realized that when there was a, a military funeral service, there was just not a, enough availability uh, for live buglers. If, if anybody's seen, you know, they do have these bugles that have a recording in it, but it's not it's not the same feel right. or, or sound. And so uh, I joined that organization. So if there is a military funeral for which they need someone within uh, an area close by, they'll send out an email and, and someone will sign up to, to cover that. And I, I asked you the story last time I saw you uh, there in Melbourne, or in Vieira rather, uh, about when you got started with the trumpet. And did you say you were six or you were in sixth grade? I was, uh, no, actually, I, th I was in fourth grade. Fourth grade, okay. Fourth grade, yeah. And uh, what was the story again? How did you get involved? Oh, I, they gave a what they called a music aptitude test. That's right. And yeah, and since I couldn't spell aptitude, they made me a trumpet player. <laughs> And so, and you've been playing ever since. I have been, yes. And, yeah. uh, and another question I've asked you before: What are who are some of your influences in that world? Oh, in case gosh. some of our listeners are, uh, of course, Doc Severson, uh, uh, Maynard Ferguson, uh, Otero Sandoval, um, Chuck Manjone. Right, but you have the side gig as a financial advisor as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I, so I, you, I put in a couple hours too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, you know, we talked about a little bit before you came on uh, the podcast that uh, this is more focused on kids and money. And, and I spent uh, several of the first, I guess, 13 podcasts talking about lessons. And that's what the blog is focused on is trying to help the parent and how they can teach their kid about money. Uh, so my intent with bringing guests on the show is just to talk about what was it like for you growing up? What did you maybe do with your kid or your grandkid or, or whatever the case may be in your season of life? Uh, so I'd like to start, if you don't mind, just kind of tell us a little bit about you know where you grew up, uh, what your family makeup looked like. I grew up in in uh, in New York, about a hundred miles north of New York City, a city called Kingston. My dad uh, was a police officer. My mom was a nurse, and um, 
Yeah, we we even though they weren't in the financial industry, we had some good financial lessons at home. <laughs> do you recall any of them? I, I do. I, I, the thing that stands out always in my mind is um, uh, my my dad built, I guess, a an, an ancient version of a laptop, which was really a box. It was a square box, a wooden box. He was very good with carpentry, uh, and it had sections in it. And it was it, uh, the the lid would open up, and it would stay in the was held by a little chain to keep it in the open position. And my mother would put her budget on the inside of that lid. And then as they cashed their checks, she would put money where it had to go, whether it be for the mortgage or, um, you know, eggs or milk, groceries in general. And back then we had, we had both a milkman and an egg man would actually come to the house right. to <laughs> deliver those things. <laughs> on horse and buggy, right? right. <laughs> well, it was close. It was close. Now, maybe my my mind shouldn't go there, but uh, you got cash in a box that everybody's aware of. Was there ever any concern that, you know, uh, little Billy would try to go, you know, fund a a candy bar or a trip to the movies? No, in case you didn't hear the part about my dad being a cop. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. I didn't think think a seven-year-old should have a record. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just figured, you know, it could be an inside job if he had, you know, got a little kickback, but... uh, uh, okay, that's great. So, did you have any like direct lessons that you remember, or they talked about, you know, expenses and income and that budget sheet? Or yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, when my mom would sit down and and do uh, in, in the course of doing that, you know, she would explain why, what went where, and and why, um, and uh, the, and I know there was a, a a category called miscellaneous, you know. And it was not uncommon that the box would have to be uh, opened mid-session to move things from miscellany to something else that maybe cost a little bit more. But right. but it was always an ongoing lesson about the importance of of saving. I, you know, I love that. It, what it reminds me of, obviously, we have the, the people always talk about the envelope system or what have you. And Dave Ramsey will talk about that. But uh, there's this idea of behavioral economics now, you know, whereas classical economics before and starting with the late 70s and uh, you had Daniel Kahneman and uh, uh, Tversky and Richard Thaler and all who who have all been awarded now the Nobel Peace Prize for economics. Uh, and they're talking about nudge, you know, that we all need this nudge. And part of the thing that I try to talk about with clients, and uh, you, you probably uh, may do this as well, is we have our budgets, we have our line items. And then within our bank, because of the way technology is now, you know, you can have 13 bank accounts. It's not going to really cost you extra to have them. And then I kind of nicknamed them, you know, there's a vacation savings, car savings, and, and on and on and on. And it's that nudge that you talked about that your mom did way back when with her with her box was everything was separated. But if you needed a little extra in one of those boxes, you knew there was a box you could take it from. But it was a very specific box you took it from, you know, so because there was a nudge if you try to take it from something else that would be like, okay, that's going to hurt me in this particular area of savings. So that's uh, I think that's just really neat that people are now getting Nobel Peace Prizes for doing things that your mom realized was necessary. Yeah, well, she deserved a prize. Right. And and I wasn't it, apparently. Right. Uh, so did any of this inform, and it's okay if the answer is no, but did any of this inform your, uh, now your lot in life of being a financial advisor? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, it, it seems like such a basic thing that she was doing, but, you know, you just, you, you, you do it on a much larger scale. 
Right. But so much of, of what I learned, you know, just as a fascinating watching this, this process unfold, uh, has, has stuck with me. And it, and it, uh, it amazes me sometimes when we talk to people, you know, you think they must have a real good handle on this and sometimes they don't. And it's amazing how such a simple task can add such tremendous value to people just to pass that along to them. Right. And your, your first job was law enforcement That's up correct. in New York. And it, it, did you remember carrying those lessons from your parents into your first paycheck and deciding what to do with it? Or oh. did you have a wild first couple of years and then realize no, it? No, no. I, I think, I, I mean, it goes back even before that. You know, okay. when I was in high school, I worked at a, uh, a local corner store and um, that uh, aspect of savings, you know, was just very important to me. And it was, yeah, I always would set little goals, you know, okay. a certain amount of money would be set aside. And of course, when you're living at home, it's not like you're saving for the mortgage, right. but you know, all these, uh, little, uh, perks that you can purchase when you're working and living at home. Do you remember if you had a system as far as how much you saved or it was just kind of a... Yeah, I mean, I can I can take it all the way back to grade school uh, as the earth was cooling. Um, <laughs> we, we would actually, uh, each week, you'd bring in money, which might be 25 cents, might be 50 cents, and the bank would actually, one of the local banks would actually come around with a passbook savings. Oh, wow. And yeah, the, you know, so, you know, you'd, you'd kind of get in line and you'd turn in your 50 cents uh, to to the teacher and she would mark it in your book and they'd hand it over to the bank people. And they actually had this little bag and they would trot, trot it back to the bank and make a deposit. But but the lesson learned, though, is every week when they came back, they would give you your passbook savings book. It was a little book about the size of a passport, and uh, which is where the name comes from, passbook uh, passport or past book savings, and you'd open up and you could see what that was adding to, huh. you know, and, and, you know, with the numbers. And sometimes they were actually handwritten. In. That's fascinating. Yeah. So you never found that tedious or anything. This was something like you saw your parents do. So you're like, this yeah. is just what you do. That, yeah, that's okay. right. It was, it was never a, um, it was never a spendthrift economy at, at my house. Right. <laughs> that's a, that's fair. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, I wanted to kind of see, uh, you know, where your roots were, what your foundation was. In this next segment, uh, we'll talk uh, a little bit more about how that may have parlayed into, you know, your own family that, that you, you know, eventually started with your own wife and child and, and everything. So we'll be right back. All right, we're back. Uh, the Kids and Money podcast uh, with my guest, uh, Bill Slover, who is a vice president financial advisor at Allen Company out of the Vier office. And uh, before we were talking about your growing up, and now I'd like to move into kind of when you started your family. So if you could tell me a little bit about your family, and then if you have any uh, stories that relate to you know sharing money lessons. Sure. So I, I have uh, my my wife uh, and a daughter. Her name is my daughter's name is Amber. Um, she's 31. She's a, a registered nurse working on her nurse practitioner. I'm very happy to see that. She's, um, uh, she's very good at what she does from what I can see. And, um, that's a handy person to have around when, right. when you have an, an ailment yeah, you, or a you, pandemic or <laughs> any, any of those, uh, life events. It's, that's pretty handy. Uh, so obviously in my 
profession, you know, you have lessons for your kids growing when they're as they're growing up, lessons about money and and savings and uh, and things. And and she was not always um, she was not always happy with those lessons. Now, but now that she's out uh, being the breadwinner, uh, she's she's quite happy with those lessons. I think. Good, good. Do you re- recall how you delivered that was just, if there was a certain circumstance, like, oh, this would be a good time to offer the lesson. Was there any kind of uh, consistency to it? or? Yeah, I mean, the, it, was, it was always something where it would be what you call a larger ticket item, you know, okay. like a cell phone. I always wanted, felt like she should participate in that, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be through savings, doing chores or whatever. And, and watching that grow towards that goal. Um, and and that that seems to be have sunk in. And so you mentioned chores. So it, was it a certain chore got so much money or was it like an allowance? You're going to get this figure, but you have to make sure that you hit these gates. Yeah, the allowance. You know, that was something that I was always brought up was with the allowance. And, right. Um, and I think that for me... That was a, a very good way to her to to develop some financial skills in a very so to get a good snapshot of uh, inflation. What was your allowance compared to your daughter's allowance? <laughs> <laughs> hers hers was different than mine. Right. <laughs> mine jingled. Yours jingled. Hers hers was paper. I understood. Understood. Um, is, who who influenced you as a dad? Was it your own dad? Did you have other people that influenced how you try to raise your kids? Oh yeah, my my dad was very influential in my life, um, as as well as my grandfather. Um, those were were two people very influential. My mother was also very influential. Right. Um, what was important to you? Uh, and that's kind of a loaded question. I, I wish I had a better way of saying it. But uh, as a dad, when you're when you're growing your kid, uh, in the uh, under the auspice, of course, money and understanding things, the world and how the world works, uh, was there like, you know, if I can get them to understand this and this, then I think I've done my job. Uh, whether it be understanding expenses versus income, or the, that you just need to save from every single paycheck. Was there something you really wanted them to grasp or her to grasp, excuse me? Yeah, uh, very much so. I wanted to understand, you know, income versus outgo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when she had her first job while she was in high school, uh, we talked about how you track your spending and so forth. And even though it wasn't a paper checkbook that she was using, but more of a debit card, I was, I would insist that she write those th- expenses down so she saw where the money went. She kept track of, of balances. That's great. Okay, yeah, that's exactly what I uh, what I was looking for. So she understood that you, you got to write this stuff down. Basically, you have to have a plan of some yeah, sort. Yeah, one, one early lesson uh, that uh, she, she taught herself was all expenses have to be written down. You know, she mm-hmm. would put gas in the car, and she would write that down. But if she only spent $5 on a sandwich, well, then she didn't write that down. But then six sandwiches into it, right. she spent as much on the sandwiches as, and, and at one point she, she overdrew the account. Gotcha. Uh, and, and it was, it was interesting because I uh, happened to know the, the woman at the bank and she said, well, she overdrew, but you know, we can do this forgiveness and so forth of the, the fees. And here's, and I said, no, I, 
I don't think I want to. I don't want you to forgive those fees. I, I want. It. I said because because these fees are a very inexpensive and very valuable lesson. Right. And um, so uh, she uh, she found out that I insisted that they didn't <laughs> yeah. waive the fees. Uh, but but I'm I'm convinced you know that that she she really understood the message. For sure. I mean that goes to the kind of the bigger idea that parents got to let their kids fail every once in a while. And you know it's something it's you know it's it's calculated, you know, we're we're not letting them fall completely on their face, but it's enough of a failure for it to hurt them. They're obviously going to make it think it's something bigger than it actually is. Oh yeah. You know and, as the adult it's uh, not as big of, as <laughs> Of course, I was I was um, I was the evil villain right, you know, to, right. to the teenager for a while. Yeah, I'm your daughter. <laughs> How could you do this to your daughter? Yeah. Yeah, I totally can uh, empathize with that. <laughs> um, so at what age do you remember what age you started either the allowance or started kind of with the lessons and understanding money? I would say probably as early as uh, probably seven years old. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, just the uh, why? Why seven? Is she? You were seeing something from her that she could understand. Um, well, you know, at that age, you know, kids absorb things, right. and things. I think when they they learn at a young age, it stays with them. Right. And it it, it really drills at home at that point. I think that's I think that's fantastic that you say that young because that's what I try to tell people in the podcast or in, in the blog that you can do it a lot younger than you think you can and most people kind of wait until the kid has you know their own income and there's some, certainly some advantages that once they have their income that you can teach them new lessons but you can start way before that as as you've said uh, to just kind of understand very simple uh, concepts that they're going to have to know when it comes absolutely to um, but. Okay, when we uh, come back, we will uh, talk a little bit more about your professional capacity and maybe how you use these lessons or talk to clients about their kids. We'll be right back. All right, we're back uh, with uh, Bill, and uh, we're actually going to have our marketing director with us in this last couple segments. We've got Robin with us as well. And uh, we were just talking uh, with Bill uh, about uh, how he imparted uh, some uh, financial wisdom on his uh, his daughter. And uh, she's now 31 and, and doing these things. And presumably with her, uh, you have a grandchild, right? I do. Yeah. And how old is the grandchild? She is seven. Seven. That magic number you just said. <laughs> Lucky seven. <laughs> so have you or your daughter or a combination thereof started talking to her about or uh, your grandchild about money? Yeah, I I have an on very small scale. Okay. Know, she doesn't she doesn't live with us. She lives, sure. But um yeah, just a value of money, how much things cost and and just, you know, using it at this point a lot of it is just simple math lessons. Right. Have you seen your daughter engage with your grandchild over uh, understanding basic money? concepts i have not not yet uh, not okay. you know, when okay. we get together that's not that'll be top, pretty cool I, I gotta assume that'll be you know for a financial somebody who's been a financial advisor that uh, that'd be a pretty cool moment i think there'd be another question i'd love to hear bill and that is does does your daughter ever say anything about the granddaughter and how she might want to spend go i mean target was always the thing for my kids right they saw the big bullseye and it was like a bullseye on my back yeah we're gonna go spend money now we're going to target so has she had she come back to you and said gosh kids are expensive have you heard any of that kind of feedback? oh yeah yeah that's the one i'm interested yeah in. and then, you know go back to my daughter you know when she 
was out on her own and we're sitting down there doing a budget. You know, she never really had to deal with with a budget for expenses in college and so forth, um, other than you know, spending money, m- make maybe. sure there was you know there was enough money for um, margarita night or right. whatever. <laughs> I shouldn't say that she's gonna be mad. Um, but uh, you know, we sat down and I said, okay, think of all the things that you think you're ne- gonna need to spend money on, and she did. She provided that list to me, and I said, I let me add a couple of things. And those couple of things was about another dozen items. And, and I would, and I said, uh, how much do you think that will cost? And then, you know, utilities. And so how much do you think that will cost? And we'd put that in and then we would pull up the average cost of all these things to see if she was high or low on that. And her comment, she kind of looked at it and she was adding them up quickly in her head. And she looked at me and said, Things are expensive. Ah, that's what I was looking for. At what point did it register with her? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that there, there was a there was a, a moment there of uh, of coming to to the realization what it was going to cost to be out on your own. Yeah. I think that's always an interesting time. And what kind of dynamic um, did you see, Karen? Kind of because that's a whole. It's one thing a father daughter conversation. But when it's a mother-daughter conversation about money, because I've had those conversations, I'd be curious, have you seen Karen and your daughter talking kind of through any of that? Yeah, and and fortunately uh, with my wife Karen and I, you know, we're very much on the, the same, same page in terms of understanding finances. You know, she's in a business where she sells basically banking products to banks and, mm-hmm. and credit unions. So, you know, that's, that, that's not a, a tough lesson right. to have. And, and oddly enough, she's probably a little more strict with, with my daughter than I am about those things. I'm, I'm a, when it comes to your granddaughter, you're a bit of a pushover and I'm a bigger pushover than probably anybody. Uh-huh. I mean, you're doing it right, right? I think that's how it's supposed <laughs> yeah, to work. Yeah, you're not, you're not supposed to be a pal during those conversations. We've lear- <laughs> we have learned that. We have oh, learned yeah. that. No, no. My, uh, I mean, my daughter keeps it on track, but, you know, I'm, I'm the one in the case of a grandchild that probably needs to be reeled in and say, uh, be, be careful, don't spoil her, you know. Uh-huh. Well, I think but that's there's, my a, job. there's kind of a, yeah, that is really your job. You've earned that position. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's also good. Um, one of the things we shifted to was experiences. So it became more about the experience and less about the actual material items. And that was, I think that was one of the coolest things I learned in terms of parenting and, and spend, mm-hmm. you know, for birthdays and things like that. Right. So. Yeah. I, uh, one lesson that I, uh, if I can add this to with my granddaughter, she had received a Target gift card. For, I think it was for Christmas and I was going to take her to Target. And of course the thing she's picking out would have exceeded this amount. And, and clearly, you know, we could have added a few dollars here, but I wanted her to, to understand that this is like a budget, you know, whatever that dollar amount that's on the card, that's what you have. Mm-hmm. And so we made sure she stayed within the budget, so to speak, of that that gift card. And and it was it was very interesting because there was no uh, 
she understood that, you know, she, she really grasped there was no, oh, well, I really want that in this. Um, and, and so I was, uh, I was kind of proud of her. Yeah. That's a great. Moment. We just, uh, m- my daughter is a sophomore in high school and just started the track team for the first time. Yeah, so she, you know, she wasn't on it as a freshman. And so now she's excited to be on it. She had her first meet last Saturday and she, uh, since then has uh, gone on to this website of sports apparel. She wants stuff to practice in all this kind of stuff. And, and she goes, dad, I really want all this stuff. Well, how much does it cost? It costs X. And I say, okay, well, you know, you have spending and savings and, and all that kind of good stuff. And she's like, yeah, I don't have enough. I'm like, well, you can only buy what you can afford. That's the only thing you can buy. Oof. And she said, well, what if you give me, and it's like, I've never given her any of these lessons. She's like, what if you give me the money now and I pay you off? I'm like, that's called credit. I'm not extending you any credit. You know, it's like you used a credit card. So we, we got to rehash that. And she, the funny thing was her face when she realized what she had walked into. When she because she that. knew it, right? Well, Leighton, you know, I'm sure it was, you know, back there. Uh, but she didn't realize what she was saying was credit until I pointed out it was credit. And then she realized what I was going to follow with because she knew she'd the heard answer, his lessons right. before. And she's like, oh, my gosh. Okay, that's not what I meant at all. I'm like, that's exactly what you meant. <laughs> yeah, that's terrific. You know, you yeah. kind of lost me, though. A child of yours who is running. Because if I remember correctly, that is your least favorite I thing hate, to do. You hate, hate, hate running. Run. No, she's pole vaulting, so the run isn't very long. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> she's got the pole for the rest of it. So. And, and she's got a pole, right, right. which is one of the things my daughter was like, I'm going into track because I'm going to do pole vaulting. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Very uh, cool. It, yeah. So, well, in your capacity now, Bill, uh, and, and maybe you don't, but do you ever have opportunity to, to kind of uh, – uh, add value to your clients in regards to have they ever asked like how, what do I teach my kids about this stuff or yeah I, in fact just earlier this week and it is actually one of my favorite phone calls is okay. when you get a call from a child of a client and they're not at a position where they're going to be um, you know a a, a large client, but I love taking the time to talk to those kids because you've got that, you, you know that they're on the right track, right? Their, their parents have said, hey, give Bill a call and let's talk and talk that over. And then, and then we'll, we'll have maybe a group conversation about that. And that is, um, that is always some of my favorite phone calls. Hey, what are some of the concepts you tend to discuss with these uh, kids who call of clients? Well, you know, and depending on the age, uh, of course, and if they're of the age where they can have their own accounts, not a custodial account, but their own accounts, uh, we we go over some very fundamentals of investing. There's, uh, you know, there's, a, you know, there's a big uh, fad sort of going on that, you know, these meme investings where how about if I put my money here? How about if I put my money there? And then we go back to the, well, let's start with some, some, basic investments first that's down the road and you know we show them the old pyramid uh and, and we've probably all seen that i'm probably not even used anymore i don't know but uh those are the the conversations i really enjoy having with the kids i uh, i know we do a lot of the with the dave ramsey uh system where smart vester pro is on our on our team so i'll i'll usually turn them towards the baby steps the seven baby steps which 
I love telling people that I mean, Dave Ramsey's a great businessman and marketer and all that kind of stuff, but this stuff's been around forever. <laughs> you know, he's just the he's this generation's financial, personal financial guru. Uh, but I just love pointing the kids out to those seven baby steps and really trying to understand where they're at on that spectrum and how important it is to kind of follow along. And then I do love the, you know, the basic investment questions. And uh, I get to do the uh, – I'm teaching a retirement uh, planning class at USF now, and I'll pull up the uh, – you know, just a basic uh, compound interest calculator to show them, hey, if you start, you know, doing $250 a month or whatever from your paycheck when you first get a job out of here at age 22 and you do that compared to someone who doesn't start till the 40 or 45, you know what that grows to. So uh, it gets their eyes really big, right? And they start seeing those big numbers with two commas in it, you know, when they're when they're in their 50s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which at that point seems many, many years away. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's, that's certainly the catch is – Either you're, they feel like they're feeding from the fire hose because we're so used to talking about this every single day that we sometimes we throw this stuff on them and they're like, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, but they really are not keeping up. Right. <laughs> and we don't know because we're just so used to saying this stuff and we understand it so well. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves to back up and be like, okay, let me just stick to a couple of basic things for now for this phone call <laughs> and move on from there. Um, I'd be curious to know if I can interrupt for yeah, a minute. Please. Um Bill, you're talking about the kids, whether they are old enough to go beyond the custodial account or not. What I'd like to hear from both of you, what are the youngest ages where you've had some of those conversations with children of clients or grandchildren of clients? The more in-depth conversations for me with their uh, late teens. Okay. Getting ready to go to college? Kind? Or in college. Uh, okay. Or, you know, they're... they're uh, halfway through college, but they're, you know, it's exciting that they're already taking that interest. Right. That's an adulting decision. Yeah. How yeah. about you? Same, uh, same. It's usually college age is the youngest uh, I'll get. I think I've had a teenager in, in 10 years that I've, I've talked to that wasn't in college. Okay. Uh, but it does get onto that idea of uh, generational wealth transfer, which of course happens much later in the kids' lives. But uh, do you have that conversation with your clients, start laying the groundwork for wealth transfer? Oh, oh, yeah, you, you really have to, yeah. of course, because um, not all kids will have the same financial aptitude. Sure. And so you have to have some very deep discussions about what would happen if they had this money today or what would it be tomorrow. And, and so because not all kids – Take it uh, at the same. Take it all at the same level. Yeah, very important subject. We'll pick that up in the last segment. Here, we'll be right back. All right, we're back, and we were talking a little bit about generational uh, wealth uh, transfer. And I was just mentioning to Robin uh, before we came back that there's a great, uh, and I'll find it so that we can put it out with this podcast. But there's a chart, and it has all the current generations listed, all the ones that are, you know, still around, if you will, uh, greatest generation to whatever generation. I, I don't, don't know. even know what the newest I, generation is. Do is we it called I generation or something? I don't know. <laughs> what is that? Oh, I thought it was but, the, uh, oh, I better not say yeah. that. I'll just keep it right here. Sorry. But it, and it delineated kind of the differences in, in they're obviously stereotyping in general, how people, their savings attitudes and how they typically invest with asset allocation, you know, who's risky, who's not, all that kind of stuff. And of course, you're, you know, the the greatest generation that kind of lived through the Great Depression, they're, they're stuff it in a coffee can and bear it in the backyard kind of people a lot of times. 
uh, and then you have, and I'm gonna, I'm butchering this a little bit, but we will have that chart, I believe. Uh, is it the millennial generation that wants to spend a lot more time vacationing mm-hmm. and hops from job to job to job? And they and, don't want to necessarily buy a home, right? Not right, nece- I mean, that's right. not a priority like it was when the rest of us were at that age. Right. So when you're talking to a client who is one of these older generations, obviously that will be doing wealth transfer and you're talking to that generation, you know, about and, and they look at money differently, you really become kind of a mediator for that family. You know, you, you put yet another hat on, uh, which we're used to doing as financial advisors. But I uh, always found that kind of fascinating to, to enter in those types of discussions and seeing the differences right there in the room mm-hmm. about uh, wealth transfer. Yeah. And I think that's a, a valuable thing that we do is, is referring them often to uh, an attorney that can handle that that type of wealth transfer, yeah, because I think I read once that the average inheritance has been spent inside of eighteen months. Wow, eighteen wow. months. Now that's all. I'm sure that's all inheritance is large and small, right. but um, you know it's all it's all relative, right? To to where their their kids spending and and. Parents will know. We have conversations, and they'll they'll tell you of these three kids. Here's the one I'm most worried about. Right. Uh, and and why? And they're not doing anything. They're not doing anything bad. They're just right. Not likely to be able to handle it. And so sometimes it goes into more in-depth estate planning to really protect that that kid because you know if they're if the child is is already in their fifties, chances are they're not a late bloomer. Right. You know. Right. Wow. Yeah, uh, like you said, we're we're not attorneys in the estate planning piece. We get to refer them to an estate planning attorney, and that you know, uh, a will in very general terms is you know uh, who and what. Whereas a trust allows you kind of who, what, when, where, how. You know, mm-hmm. you can really decide if there you do have that one child. Uh, you can discuss it with that estate planning attorney and really kind of put some parameters around it to make sure that you're taking care of them and taking care of the assets at the same time. Um, and there's an adage of, you know, fast money spins fast, right? So typically uh, you have someone that inherits a lot of money that didn't build it necessarily and maybe hasn't built anything of significance for themselves. Generally, those are the people who will who spend through it pretty quickly. But you can get your financial advisor involved in talking to that kid about these very concepts we were talking about in today's podcast. Obviously, you have estate planning attorneys. There are all kinds of things you can do and a lot of advice uh, that you can seek uh, professional advice that can help you down that path with you and your family. So, uh, And certainly Bill's available for that. I'm available for that. I think so. one of the things, too, that you didn't necessarily – that wasn't – overt in your mention was the emotion tied to all of that sure. you know we we're talking about the great differences between the spends i think the other thing is this whole group of different demographics have now gone through a pandemic and i'm sure when you put that filter over the top of that i think that probably is going to be another one of those learning experiences generations from now how did that impact and how I would be interested to hear how millennials now are looking at things. Has the pandemic and the slowdown in the economy, and you know, the shutdown of the economy really right. impacted any of that? 
That's a really good question. Yeah, if, if they're still maintaining, because when all that stuff was coming out about millennials, that was 10 years ago. Well, millennials are in different stages of life now than they yeah. were then. You know, has that changed for them? And certainly with uh, just the world conditions, how yeah. has that maybe changened something? I've been summoned. What happened here? Talking about millennials? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's right. right. That's right. I can speak on behalf of them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They've elected you. Yes. I, I want to know to that point, John, would. Does that really kind of factor into some of those financial choices you're making with your girlfriend and, you know, kind of the planning that you have yes. for the future? So right now, my main thing, I don't really plan on owning a house anytime soon. Uh, I'm not really, not that I'm not interested in owning a house at some point, but with the way kind of everything's been going and, you know, the I would rather focus my money on, on lived experiences and, and you know, to your point earlier about vacations, you know, I, I'd rather spend, you know, I'd rather be in a job where I can, you know, get four or five, six weeks vacation, you know, and maybe take a ten, twenty thousand dollar pay cut because I'd rather have the time to myself and live my own life as opposed to being driven by the dollar, so to speak. Now granted, I mean being able to get the best of both worlds wouldn't be a bad thing, but you right. know, it's it's one of those things that kind of it, I think the vacation weighs a little more heavy on that scale than right. maybe it did in, in, in generations previous. Well, I, I think I'm an honorary millennial then because that's exactly how I look that at, is at, you. at jobs. You know, it's yeah. it, it's about, you know, how much autonomy do I have? Yeah. You know, and getting out and, and, and lived experiences mm-hmm. and other things. Yeah, I think sometimes when we have conversation with with different generations, um, they get caught up in in maybe what is expected of them, right? Mm -hmm. They should do this or they should do that. And then they forget that you can do this and you can do that with some proper planning. You know, it doesn't have to be, I'm going to do everything my friends do. I'm going to do everything my parents do. Sometimes there's, there's a just having a good conversation with those folks, you can find out, you know what, we can we can plan for now, we can plan for the future. Yeah, well, Robin and I were actually talking off air a little bit. We, we hadn't actually gotten all the way to this conversation yet, but we were talking about even uh, like the next stage of my relationship right now. We're kind of, we're not quite there yet, but we're talking about, you know, the idea of getting married and what that looks like for us in terms of like wedding planning and stuff like that. And we decided, you know, at least at this point in time, we're not interested in having a big wedding and doing the whole thing and inviting 150 people to come sit, watch us sit in a room and, you know, drink champagne and eat a cake. Right. We would rather right now, our, the, our main plan right now is going in, you know, to Colorado and eloping, you know, somewhere and having, making a vacation out of it, you know, and having getting the honeymoon done and the, uh, you know, wedding done in one fell swoop, get, invite, you know, very close, intimate family. And then that's that's it. And just really prioritizing us and not. What is supposed to be, you know, oh, everyone has that moment. Who cares? I want to do what I want to do. And she wants to do what she wants to do. I love that. I love that. My daughter has a young life leader who is getting married. uh, And her and her fiance are going to Hawaii on their own. Yeah. I think they have someone that they know is going to come and be the pastor. But it's just basically going to be the three of them. Sure. They're going to get married, come back, and then they're going to have like a big dinner celebration. Yeah. And people are going to come to that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that's great. I think that really has you focusing on what the most important part of the beginning of that union means. Mm -hmm. It is, yes, you have to work with the people around you, but boy, if you don't have yourself square, that down the road can be a mess. And that's more us than, than again, sitting in a room and and I mean, we don't, we're not big big, big drinkers, not big partiers. We'd rather we're, Right. Let's go out into nature. Let's go take some really awesome pictures on the side of a mountain somewhere. Right. You know, and then and then have that, you know, that memory to hold on to and then spend a week, you know, skiing or whatever it is. And then 
you know, grandma can come by and hang out for a party after that. Right. right. <laughs> well, Bill, I want to thank you and Robin and John for being part of this podcast and making it special as always. And the least amount I can talk, that means it's a better podcast. So, <laughs> uh, Bill, can you uh, tell everybody where to find you, what your contact information is, and where your blog can be found? Sure. Uh, you can go to the Allen Company website to, to view my Real Value blog. Uh, I work in the Vieira office over in Brevard County. Um, you can find that all, all of that on the Allen Company website as well. And your phone number? Area code 321-253-3131. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you all again next time. Well, maybe not, Bill, <laughs> on the next podcast. Y'all take care. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Individual tax and legal matters should be discussed with your tax or legal professional. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal.